I want you to take your Bible. I want you to take your copy of God's Word, uh, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you have. And I want you to go to John chapter 1. If a person came to know Christ as personal Savior and they said, Brother Benny, where would you recommend I start out reading? I would say start in the book of John. So we're going to take John chapter 1, and I want to call your attention to verse 35. This is what the Bible says. It says, again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? Where do you live, Jesus? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, which shall be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone or a rock. I find as I get older, as I get older, I enjoy older people more. <laughs> I really do. As I get older, I enjoy older people more. And I find there is so much to learn from people that have gone on before us. I believe it's wise to learn from experience, but it's wiser to learn from the experience of others and not near as painful. Amen? And there's a gentleman in my life, he's been in my life for many, many years now. His name is Dr. Duke Westover. Dr. Duke Westover was Jerry Falwell's executive pastor for 38 years. And Dr. Duke Westover has said to me on many, many occasions, there's only two reasons why we're on this earth. He said, Benny, there's only two reasons why you're on this earth. There's only two reasons why I'm on this earth. There's only two reasons why any of us or on this earth. Now, that simplifies things pretty good. He said, number one, you're on this earth to come to know Christ. You're on this earth to come to know Christ. I want you to know, folks, it's God's will for everyone to come to Jesus Christ. Nobody's predestined for heaven and somebody else is predestined for hell. That's just not true. There's no truth in that. No, no. It's God's will for every person to come to know Christ. 2 Peter 3 and 9 said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So it's God's will for every person to come to know Christ. And then he said the second reason why we're on this earth is to bring other people to Christ. Why am I here? To come to know Christ. Second of all, why are you here? Why am I here? Why are we all here? You're here to bring other people to Jesus Christ. Now, listen to this stat. Only 2% of Christians, only 2% of Christians invite unchurched people to church. Only 2% of Christians 
invite unchurched people to church. You say, well, we invite people. Yeah, but we, we invite church people. See, we invite people that go somewhere else to church. And most growth that's happening in churches is really not church growth. It's just sheep swapping. We're just swapping sheep. We just get sheep from another church. But now that's not really church growth, and, and I'm really not into that, folks, because what I've learned, I've been doing it so long, while you're in the sheep swapping, you get some goats in the mix. <laughs> but I know this. God wants everybody in the game. God wants everybody in the game. God does not want only 2% of the people sharing their faith. 2% of the people inviting people to church. But I think sometimes we're kind of like this story. There was this multi-millionaire, and he, uh, he collected a large amount of alligators as pets. And he had this big gathering, and he put all the people around his swimming pool that was filled with alligators. <laughs> and he said to those people, for the person that will swim the length of the pool and back, this man said, I'll either give you a million dollars or my beautiful daughter who's a supermodel. Million dollars or my beautiful daughter. About that time, there's a splash. A guy just as fast as he can, he swims the length of the pool, gets out unharmed, and the multi-millionaire says, do you want a million dollars or do you want my beautiful daughter? He said, I don't want either one of those. I want the jerk that pushed me in the pool. <laughs> and folks, it seems to me that when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to inviting somebody, we need somebody to push us in the pool. We need somebody to help us get in the game because everybody's needed in the game. Now, for the next four weeks, beginning next Sunday, I'm going to preach a series of messages called Faith and Football. And I'm going to talk about how they parallel if you're a football fan. But I want to talk about how faith and football parallel. I was uh, coming out of a little boutique yesterday that Barbara and I do a lot of our shopping at. It's located in High Falls. The name of it is Dollar General Store. <laughs> and as I was walking out, this lady walked up to me and she said, Pastor Benny, do you know how Tennessee football, when she said Tennessee football, that grabbed my attention. She said, do you know how Tennessee football is like a possum? I said, Tennessee football like a possum? She said, oh, yes. They play dead at home and get killed on the road. Now, I don't know about that. I just wanted to slap her in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I don't know about that, but I do believe this. I believe the average church is like a football game. You say, Pastor Benny, you're saying the average church is like a football game. How is a church like a football game? Think about it. You've got 22 people on the field who are in desperate need of rest. And you've got 50,000 people in the stands who are in desperate need of exercise. Amen? <laughs> and in most churches, you've got a few people that's carrying the load. And many others whose favorite song is, I shall not be moved. <laughs> they sing standing on the promises, but all they really want to do is sit on the premises. Everybody in the game, because everybody ought to be in the game. Now, what I want us to do, I want us to look at a man in the Bible today. His name is Andrew. By the way, he's only mentioned three times in the Bible. But here's what I want you to see. Every time that this man is mentioned in the Bible, he's bringing people to Jesus. Every time this man is mentioned, he's bringing people to Jesus. Here in the text that we read, he goes and he brings his brother Peter to Jesus. And then, remember the story where Jesus took five loaves and two fishes and everybody had fish and chips? Who was it that brought that lad who had the five loaves and two fishes to Jesus? It was Andrew. And then in John chapter 12, he's literally bringing Greeks to Jesus Christ. Every time Andrew's mentioned, he's bringing people to Jesus. Now listen to this. 82% of Americans who don't go to church, who don't go to church, said this, I would likely go to church if somebody would invite me. 82% of those that don't go, they're not here, said, I would likely go if somebody would invite me. Now, I want you to see four things about the story. First of all, I want you to see the commitment to Jesus. The commitment to Jesus. I want you to understand something. John the Baptist preached. Remember the guy that's dressed in camel's hair? Locusts and wild honey was his diet. John the Baptist preached. And when he preached the gospel, Andrew and John came to Christ. But here in our text, Andrew and John come to Christ. And immediately Andrew says this, I've got to go get my brother Peter. I've got to go get my brother Peter. Now, I want you to understand something, folks. Andrew didn't know Greek. Andrew didn't know Hebrew. Andrew had not been trained in evangelism explosion. Andrew didn't know Bill Bright's four spiritual laws. He didn't know anything about the Roman road. But all he knew is Jesus had done something in his life. And he wanted to reach his brother. That's all he knew, that Jesus had done something in his life. 
and he wanted to reach his brother. You say, but Brother Benny, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid to talk to somebody. I might turn them away. Well, I'm not being a smart aleck. I'm, I'm not that kind of person. But where are you going to turn them to? Hell number two? I mean, where are you going to turn them to? If they're already lost, if they're already lost, where are you going to turn them to? I'm just saying, ladies and gentlemen, we can come here on Sunday. We can jump. We can clap. We can sing. We can do all this stuff. But if we leave it right here, we've missed it. If we leave it right here, we've missed it. Because Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. They're synonymous. When you follow him, he makes you fishers of men. 1 John 3, 14, we know that we pass from death into life because we love the brethren. There's something that God puts in us, ladies and gentlemen, when we come to know Christ that we want to reach other people. I think it was this week, maybe it was last week. I asked Cameron, I said, Cameron, do you want to ride to Griffin with me? And he said, are, are you inviting me to buy my lunch? I said, yes. <laughs> he said, I'll ride with you then. And uh, we rode to Griffin. And I said, while we're here, I got to stop by and I got to pick up my cleaners. And I stopped by to pick up my cleaners. And Miss Ann, who cleans my clothes, is here on the front row and I spent a few years inviting Miss Ann to come to church, and Miss Ann started coming to church. Started bringing the ladies that clean clothes. And I walked in there to get my cleaners, and I heard them say, It's Pastor Benny! It's Pastor Benny! And they started running out of the back, those ladies. No, no, because they've started coming to church. And then Miss Ann said to me, See this lady back here, Brother Benny? She's coming with us. We're going to bring her with us, Brother Benny. We're going to bring her with us. And I thought, it used to be that way with me. It used to be that way with you. It used to be that way with us. But Vance Habner said it best. Vance Habner said when a person comes to know Christ in the average church in America, it's almost like they have to backslide immediately in order to have fellowship with the rest of the people in the congregation. I want you to know, those people that are on fire, they're not abnormal. We're abnormal. We're abnormal. It's an indictment on us. Because when you come to know Christ, there's a commitment that you want to bring others along with you. Not only did I see the commitment to Jesus, but I want you to see something else. I want you to see the communion with Jesus. The communion, look what verse 38 and 39 says. They basically said to Jesus in verse 38, where do you live? And Jesus said, come and see. And then in verse 39, it says they go to his house and it's four o'clock and they spend the rest of the day with Jesus. They spend the day with Jesus. And then what was interesting, if you jump down to verse 40 and verse 41, after spending the day with Jesus, Andrew says, I've got to go reach Peter. I've got to go reach Peter. 
Here's what I want you to understand, folks. When we spend time with Jesus, when we commune with Jesus, Jesus will start bringing people into our path. Jesus will start bringing people in our path. You said, Pastor Benny, I, I, I don't know. Let me tell you something. If you will just pray, if you'll spend time with him, he'll bring people into your path that you need to invite, that you need to share your faith with, that you need to influence for the kingdom of God. All you have to do, ladies and gentlemen, is spend time with him, and I will promise you he will bring people into your path. But let me say something to you, folks. Unless you've spent time with him, unless you've spent time with him, how effective are you going to be should he bring somebody in your path? How effective are you going to be? Look, think about this. When Jesus ascended, he said, go to Jerusalem. Don't preach. Don't sing. Don't teach. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. Friend, if he told them to not do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit, what makes us think that we can do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, when you bring, when you spend time with Jesus, he'll bring people into your everyday life just like this. I know that the Lord gives wake-up calls, and he does it. He speaks to people <clears throat> in many different ways. And the wake-up call that he gave us, we had had a, a great afternoon, Christmas shopping, and went to lunch. And we were about a mile from our house, and a little girl rode her bicycle in front of our vehicle. She was killed, and it was a really ugly scene. And the, the police took us to the Amar uh, County Detention Center and questioned us. And then they took my husband to Upson County Hospital to check him for drugs and alcohol, which of course there were none. Um, and I remember sitting in the reception room of the Lamar County De Detention Center, and I thought to myself, I have never felt so alone in my life. And our lives changed. It, the joy was completely gone from our lives. Um, we, we went through the motions every day, but everything changed. We were just existing. But the Lord spoke to us again in a very good way. Uh, that spring, my husband had jury duty with Alvin Faulkner, and Alvin had planted a seed. He asked Joe to come to church here at Rock Springs. And we thought about it for a while, and one Sunday we got up and we said, let's try to find that church. And the minute my foot walked through that front door, it felt like someone said, welcome home. It was awesome. That October, it was October 8th, we gave our lives to the Lord, and a week later we were baptized been here ever since, and that was in 2000. Love the Lord with all my heart. He has done so much for me since my husband unfortunately passed away in 2003, very unexpectedly, um, of a brain aneurysm overnight. But I can honestly say that even through his death, I have never spent another moment alone because I know the Holy Spirit is always with me. It takes five seconds to invite someone to church, but thank you, Alvin Faulkner, that, that you took those five seconds because literally you saved two souls right there. And it, like I say, it, it's such an investment in other people to be able to have that, that power to, to just give that invitation and change lives dramatically and allow people to get to know the Lord. There's no better gift. I love what Miss Carol said. Thank you, Alvin Faulkner, for taking time 
to invite us to church. See, folks, without God, we cannot. But without us, he will not. Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in the way. He has no tongue but our tongue to tell them how he died. He has no help but our help to bring men to his side. See, I see the commitment to Jesus. I see the communion with Jesus. But then I see something else. I see the confession of Jesus. I see the confession of Jesus. I love what Andrew said. Andrew said, we have found him. <laughs> Later in verse, in verse 41, Andrew said, we found the Christ. And then in verse 45, Philip said, we have found him. You know what's interesting, folks? 85% of people who come to church don't come because of newspapers or billboards or Facebook posts. 85% of people that come to church come to church because somebody personally invited them, because somebody cared about them. And ladies and gentlemen, when we realize that church is not about the ones that are here, it's about the ones that are not here. We're the only organization that exists for non-members. It's not about the people that's here. It's about being consumed and obsessed with the people that are not here. It's about reaching those people. Let me ask you something. Did you ever lose a, did you ever lose a charge card? I mean, I, I've lost a charge card before. And you know, I have never lost a charge card and said to Barbara, Barbara, I lost my charge card. She said, you did. I said, but baby, I'm not a bit worried about it. And she'd say, well, why are you not worried about it? I said, well, honey, we've got four more. No, no, no. I'm saying we got to track that jammy down. we got to get that thing cut off. Somebody's out charging stuff on me. Somebody's out charging stuff on me. Happened to one guy. He said, I want the guy to keep the card. I said, want the guy to keep the card? He said, yeah, he's not charging near as much stuff as my wife. But anyway... <laughs> No, no, we got we to cut that card off. Did you ever do it? Hypothetically, you've got four children, and you're in Target, <laughs> and you lose Leroy. You know what? You don't say, well, we've still got three. No, 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 no. You're consumed with Leroy. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? Jesus said, leave the 99. Become obsessed with the one, the one that don't know me. All around you, all around you, people who don't know Christ. But Andrew said, no, I've got a family member. Philip said, no, I've got a friend Look what the Bible says, folks, in Romans 10 and 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's great news. Isn't that great? Everyone, folks, that means the poor, the rich, the educated, the uneducated, the young, the old, the, the black, the white, purple, it don't matter. Everyone 
But look what it says. But how shall they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? You know what I want to challenge you to do? I want you to do what I've been doing. I've got these cards. They're all over this place. It's called Faith in Football. And I'm giving these cards out, and I'm inviting people to church. I want to encourage you at whatever campus you're at. The, that campus is full of these cards. I want to encourage you to get these cards. The other day, I went out, and I, I had a meal, and uh, I left a tip. Now, now, get to come up. Come up real close. If you're a tightwad and you don't leave a good tip, don't you leave a Rock Springs card. <laughs> no, I don't want to be identified with you. But I've learned that anybody can take a card and invite people to church. You, you don't have to know Greek. You don't have to know Hebrew. You don't have to know your Bible cover to cover to invite somebody. You, you don't have to know your Bible cover to cover to tell them what he's done in your life. See, there's, there's one other thing I want you to see. I want you to see the conversion by Jesus. The conversion by Jesus. See, folks, now, we'll pass out the cards. We'll do the inviting. We're going to share our faith, which is biblical. But we can't convert anybody. Only Jesus can do that. Only, but you know what I have learned, folks? This is what I've learned. Jesus Christ can change anybody's life. And the reason why I believe that is because he changed mine. And if he can change mine, he can change anybody's life. Jesus said to Peter, in this text, look at the verse. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas. That's an Aramaic word. That word Cephas is an Aramaic word. It means a rock or a stone. He said, Peter, I know you've been unstable all your life, but your life's going to change now. Because you've had a head-on collision with Jesus Christ. <laughs> you've had a head-on collision with Jesus, and your life's going to change. Amen? Your life's, and then, then there was another guy. He comes to know him, and his name's Philip. And you know what Philip does? Philip said, I, I've got a friend I want to reach for Christ, and his name is Nathaniel. And look what verse 46 says. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Think about this. The word Nazareth is not even mentioned in the Old Testament. Less than 2,000 people lived in Nazareth. And they believed no good thing came out of Nazareth. But through a course of events, Nathanael realized that Jesus was the real deal. And in verse 49, look what he said. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. 
<laughs> a few minutes before. There's no good thing from Nazareth. But oh, what a difference. Oh, what a, they used to be an old song. Oh, what a difference when Jesus passed by. Thou art the Son of God. Folks, maybe this says it better than I can say it. I was in jail at the time. Uh, Brother Benny said, you know, when you're ready for a change, you know, God will change you. And I was like, here we go. What that stuff again, you know? And But just something, it just seemed so genuine. You know, I, I, like he didn't want anything from me except for me to just be there. I didn't know anything about God or anything. I just, I knew I was ready for a change. And I knew I was broken, you know. Uh, had to have something different, you know, I had to do something different. But, uh, I, I was ready to do something different, I just didn't know what it was. You know, I've been through the psychiatrist, the rehabs, you know, and um, medications and all that, you know, nothing, nothing seemed to work at all. Something just kept drawing me. I don't, I don't know, I know now it was the Holy Spirit, you know, and I just could not let it be. I had to at least go see what it was. And uh, that same day, that I came to church, I got saved. I'm talking about a, everybody has their own experience different, you know, uh, but I, I mean, I was a hurting, snotting, crying, big old 298 pounds coming down the aisle, you know, and uh, Ken just gave me this big hug. And then, so I looked behind me and Ken Peoples was down there, you know, and next thing you know, you know, he's praying to break the chains of addiction and, uh, and that's, that's all I wanted, was just to, to get clean and to do something different with my life. Little did I know God had so much more in, in mind, you know. It's important to me to invite other people because I knew what it meant to me. So if it meant like that to me, and I'm just a oh, redneck, you know, it definitely can mean that, that much to someone else. And I, I would like to spread that kind of love because that's what Jesus was all about, you know. I would go and visit Randy in jail. And he would say, uh, Brother Benny, why do you come to see me? And I'd say, because I believe Jesus can change anybody. And I believe that. I believe he can change anybody, friend, and he can change you. He can change your life. You say, Brother Benny, will I become perfect? No, I never did. I never did become perfect. I'm still not. But I'll tell you what I did. I became forgiven. And I experienced a peace in my life for the very first time when I came to know Jesus Christ. I tried a bunch of stuff, and it left me empty. But Jesus gave me peace. Friend, not one time in the Bible does the Bible tell us for a lost person to go to church. If you say it says that, you're taking it out of context. Never says that. But over and over. It says for us to go out and get them. Share the card. Share your faith. Share your story. Over and over. You know, I've lived a long, long not maybe a real long time, but a little while. And I've come to realize Duke Westover was right. He really was. There's only two reasons why I'm on this earth. There's only two reasons why you're on this earth to know Christ and to bring others to him.
to know Christ and to bring others to him because Jesus changes everything. He's so wonderful. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.